And now on WRS, Michael McKay with the McKay Interview. Hello, everyone. This COVID-19 miniseries is all about prisons. I mean, looking at the impact, consequences, and implications of the worst pandemic in 100 years through different prisons. And with the help of experts, seeing and understanding complicated matters better, more clearly, perhaps even learning some things for the very first time. My guest today, the 27th of May, 2020, is Dr. Jean-Marc Rickley, brilliant and very thoughtful member of the Geneva Center for Security Policy faculty, who's made a study of global risk and resilience. In fact, that is his title. He's the top man. And he's been on my show before, two years ago, but this visit is different. And you'll hear why in a moment. His academic, intellectual, and professional background include Oxford, King's College London, the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, Gulf States, Boston University, and the list is not by any means complete. Dr. Rickley is a Swiss, and I'm delighted that he's able to join me again, though this time on Zoom. Hello, Jean-Marc. Thanks for making time for me in your very busy schedule. Hi, Michael. Thank you very much for having me again on your show. Good to see you, despite the fact that we're on Zoom. Yeah. When I read your bio, Jean-Marc, on the GCSP website, I saw words and phrases like modern warfare and security, artificial intelligence, lethal autonomous weapon systems, ethics of autonomous and intelligent systems, peace consortium on emerging security challenges. And I thought that listeners might wonder why on earth I've invited someone with your expertise to contribute to this mini series on COVID-19 and pandemics. Well, there's method in my madness and here's why. Even though these complex fields of expertise in the short time we, we have, I want you to tell me and our listeners what you see through your prism of knowledge when you look at the three areas, time permitting, that I've got to put to you today. All of them very pertinent to the current global pandemic. Geopolitics, communications, and if we have time, health. So let's address the big picture first. Geopolitics in these times of COVID-19, the decline in the West, the apparent opposite in the East, the risks that face liberal democracies, the apparent success of the overbearing personally intrusive and economically powerful state. Looking through your security risk and resilience prism at the big picture coming out of COVID-19, what do you see? What will governments and citizens have to confront with renewed realism that we didn't face up to before? And what will we regard as laughably passe and old fashioned? What's gonna be the cost on our freedoms in the West? And are there any costs to the countries in the East? Jean-Marc. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a big question. That's a big so, question. The first one is to look at how, what this situation has done in terms of uh, the impact on geopolitics. And I would say it has exacerbated some tendencies that we've seen um, in the past that were it's growing. It's exacerbated it. I couldn't hear you very well. Yes, exactly. So basically, we are redefining the structure of the international system. So we inherited from the end of the Cold War a situation when you had one single power who was uh, the hegemonic power, if you're in the United States. By 2001, 2003, um, with uh, the US global war on terrorism, so-called global war on terrorism, uh, we saw that the US was not as powerful as uh, we might have thought, has been uh, challenged by non-state actors. And so the started erosion of American power. At the same time, what, is, what we saw 
is the rise of China. And the 2010 were characterized by the rise of China. The 2020s probably will be characterized and defined by uh, the growing confrontation between China and um, the United States. And so what we've seen during this crisis is that tendencies that, have, uh, that were already present before this crisis, like commercial war between the US and uh, China, the war for influence uh, on, uh, on Asia, in Europe, in Africa, has been uh, exacerbated. So this is one aspect that uh, has been magnified. The other is uh, the uh, tendency to see new actors emerging. New actors, I mean those who are uh, making uh, money from digital industry, so the so-called GAFAM, Google, Alphabet, um, Amazon, uh, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft. If you look at the wealth during this crisis, they have um, increased by, uh, uh, um, by, by uh, a lot. Um, um, a study recently stated that uh, uh, the 600 billionaires uh, in the U.S. saw uh, their uh, wealth increase by 434 billion. And most of those were those that are working in the digital industry, where those working in the traditional retail or tourism industry has declined. So what we see is a transformation of the international system towards probably a duopoly, China, and the United States at the same time empowering some non-state actors, multinational companies. And um, the future will tell what will the structure of the international system, but it looks like it will not be multipolar as we knew it in the past, probably not bipolar as we knew it during the Cold War, but a more diffuse system where we have two strong poles and some emerging powers. So rather like going back to um, at least the European and um, Atlantic scene at the end of the 19th century and before the First World War, when the rising power was Germany. Yeah, in a way, yeah, mm -hmm. but um, the, we, we should uh, be careful with uh, comparison. Yes, um, there was a... a emerging power, but that, that were states. In that case, we see China, but we also see non-state actors. And the non-state actors have a tremendous power because they are uh, dealing, they basically own, they dictate what happens in the digital world. And as we are increasingly translating physical attributes into digital attributes, these companies uh, gain more and more power. And we saw that uh, with this crisis when it comes to uh, disinformation, for instance. Uh, social media were used extensively by states, by uh, 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 great powers and lesser power to advance a specific narrative. Both the United States and China, but China to a greater extent, use social media to actually push its um, a narrative that basically try to uh, give a better picture of the way China dealt with uh, the crisis, as well as trying to sow discord within Western states, especially in Europe and in the United States. So you see this as uh, fake news and propaganda all wrapped up in one bundle. 
Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's a mix of a lot of different techniques. You know, we sometimes we call that infodemics. So basically one strategy is... Sorry, that's a, let me stop you there. That's a new word. Say that word again, Jean-Marc. Infodemics. Infodemics. I didn't yeah, know that so okay. pandemics yeah. and it's information <laughs> okay. and pandemics. And basically the, 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 the idea here is that you are... Uh, swarming people with lots of different news and so people uh, get uh, completely confused and it's way easier to move uh, your own agenda. A very recent study uh, from the University of Oxford that surveyed 2,500 uh, British citizens across the entire spectrum for uh, May 4th to 11, uh, concluded that 60% of British adults be believe to some extent that government is misleading the public about the causes of the virus. 40% believe that uh, to some extent the government, uh, the spread of the, the virus is a deliberate attempt by powerful people to gain control. And 20% believe uh, that to some extent the virus is a hoax. And about 45% uh, uh, believe that the coronavirus is a weapon developed by China to destroy the West. And when you, so, when you with your intellectual background look at that, what conclusions do you draw? Well, um, a uh, conclusion that is quite concerning because um, democracies work on the principle of a social contract, which is based on trust in institution and governments. Mm -hmm. What we see here is that when uh, you start to attack what uh, people are believing it or reinforce their natural psychological biases, what you do, you exacerbate distrust um, uh, towards governments and institutions. And the same study also uh, points out that those people that are reluctant or um, I don't want to uh, believe uh, government uh, uh, facts, ideas, or uh, traditional uh, news media are also much more reluctant to adopt uh, uh, measures that would prevent the spread of the virus, like vaccination or wearing masks. So here you end up with a uh, worsening of um, the health crisis that is, um, which, um, which, um, uh, origins ha uh, or that is compounded by the fact that people uh, interpret the world in a very different way. This so, is a, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah. No, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. So um, that that is a real concern. We saw that emerging in 2010. We saw that with the Cambridge Analytica scandal. But now, uh, if you consider uh, uh, the growth of emerging technologies, uh, also in the field of artificial intelligence. Uh, increasingly will be able to develop, to automatize this uh, development of uh, fake news, alternative view, whatever, and will be able to target very precisely uh, people's uh, uh, ID and basically uh, magnify their uh, psychological bias. And if you want to, uh, to um, undermine democracy, what you do, you create a situation where it is no longer possible to, 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 to govern and where trust in institution is lost. And, and this they, is one of the weakest points of democracies. This is where you, under, you underline one of the big issues in this recent um, scandal in the UK regarding the Dominic Cummings um, not resigning, having broken some of the uh, rules that he set up himself. But let, let me just, uh, you've already started talking a bit about my next question, uh, Jean-Marc, which is about communication 
fake news and propaganda. But let me broaden the word communication to include uh, transport in communication. We've seen, you know, air, airports almost completely silenced, airlines almost going bankrupt, the government of Germany now giving aid to Lufthansa. Um, we haven't heard much about the world's merchant shipping fleet, but consumer demand has dropped to almost zero. So I guess that must have affected trade on the seas. When you look at what's happening in that area of communication, of the movement of goods and people, with your particularly trained eye, what do you see behind the scenes? Well, you know, um, we are going through extraordinary, extraordinary times where we have a global systemic crisis where the world almost stopped. 90% of uh, the, the global fleet, uh, aviation fleet, is, uh, is, is grounded. Um, the global trade in the second quarter of 2020 uh, is forecasted to drop by about 27%. Tourism will go down by uh, between 60 to uh, 80%. So this has consequences in the way people relate to each other. Probably we'll see less physical uh, transportation. And what, what we'll see on the other hand is a rise of the use of digital uh, communication. That's why also the people I mentioned earlier, Musk, uh, Bezos and other are making much more money because people have shifted towards uh, digital uh, means. And so these exacerbates, if you want the division between legacy industries of the 20th century that were based on physical transportation, on physical contacts, and those of the 21st century that are based much more on um, digital uh, interaction, and then there is no need um, to, um, to have uh, phys uh, physical contacts. And so basically that is also contributing to reshape the, the global ge uh, geopolitics. So those countries that were already very uh, versed into digital technology will fare much better off than those were already uh, la uh, lacking behind. And as we have seen currently, uh, the, the, the pandemic now is hitting really hard uh, Latin and South America, uh, it will, uh, we'll see what will happen with uh, that part of the world. But probably these countries will uh, suffer much more than uh, European countries that have, that have managed to, to go through this crisis uh, with difficulties, but it uh, looks like they are on the recovery slope. Okay. So uh, what we probably see is uh, for the first time since 1998, we see a rise in uh, global poverty uh, per, we forecast that this year uh, there will be an addition of 60 to 80 million of people living with less than uh, 1.9 uh, a day. So that's uh, that's uh, a rather sad end way to end the interview. But I've got I've got one last question for you. And if there's any likely to be any upsides apart from these billionaires doing very well that you mentioned, do you see any upside to the COVID-19 pandemic when looked? when you look at the world through the prism that you look through, Jean-Marc. Last question. Well, we said that, yeah, we said that in every crisis there are opportunities. Yes. I think what this crisis demonstrating uh, is the fact that uh, we are able to continue working uh, remotely. So we'll 
use in the future much more uh, digital technology. We'll see what will be the impact on the environment. Uh, for the last two, three months, we've seen a decrease in uh, carbon emission that has never been seen in the past, that are six to eight times uh, uh, more than the, the, the biggest drop that was in the early uh, 80s after the, 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 the crisis of uh, the end of uh, the 70s. To what extent this tendency will last is a question mark because mm. there is also the risk that uh, we'll try to catch up with uh, what uh, we lost. So big question mark, but hopefully the environment will benefit from uh, this crisis. Thank you, Jean, full of very useful information. Thanks for answering all my questions. Always good to talk to you. My guest today has been Dr. Jean-Marc Rickley, Head of Global Risk and Resilience at the Emerging Security Challenges Program at the Geneva Center for Security Policy. Many thanks, Jean-Marc. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. That was the McKay interview with Michael McKay. And don't forget, you can hear that interview again on our website, worldradio.ch.